Well, we all have a choice, a choice that we make every day. And it's a choice that we have to actually make every moment, but it's also a choice that we make over a lifetime. And the choice is, do you want to do life on your own? Just counting on you, relying on you, depending on you. But there's also another choice. Life's hard. Particularly over the last couple years, we've seen a lot of interesting things happen. We lived through a pandemic, political upheaval and unrest. There's been economics up, up and downs, not, not just on a macro level, but some of, for some of you on a personal level. And it seems like every issue is a lightning rod for conflict that threatens to undo or polarize us from friends and family and other people. And on top of that, we are living our own lives. Our days are very busy. They're full of obligations and activities. And there's a few wins along the way. I'm sure you've experienced those wins in your life. But also there's been a lot of, there's probably a whole lot of pain. And sometimes I think we're left to wonder is there something more? And with all the busyness of life, with all the things that we have going on, we're not sure if it's safe to step off the treadmill and ask, is this working? <laughs> to slow down and to search for what we want. But what if there was a space for people to do that? A space where we could actually find peace. A space where the people we know and love could find peace. I mean, real peace. A place where, what if there was a place where people could actually connect in authentic community with one another to ex exchange meaningful ideas? And what if there was enough time and space and grace to actually explore what you and I were meant to be and what we were meant to do? It's possible, and it's really simple. I'm calling it you plus God. And you plus God is the other choice. It's the choice not to live life on your own. It's a choice where you actually trust God. That I actually trust God. You live a daily life depending on God. You live a life that is sold out for God. And it's not just you running your own life. It's you plus God. And so today I'm going to be sharing a vision for the next 12 months, a little bit. And uh, since we started doing this like five years ago, we launched really big, had some fun, had a pandemic, and now we're back. Like when we launched five years ago, every year we would have a Vision Sunday. And I would stand before you like I am now with a lot of prayer and a lot of wise counsel from the board. And I'd share the direction that we felt our church community should head in. I would point to the next hill and i go, this is what we're going to focus on and we're going to charge and take that hill. Uh, but as myself and the leadership team have been reflecting on all of that, it felt like God's spirit was giving us an unsettled feeling about all of it. And that unsettled feeling was not about what we could accomplish this year. That unsettled feeling was more about how we could accomplish it. And usually in the past, the vision has sounded something like, we can do it, you can help. We can do it, you can help. But it just didn't seem like that was the right thing for us this year. I just felt uh, unsettled about saying, okay, here's the vision, we can do it, you can help. Here's the vision, 
you can figure out how to contribute to it. Here's the dream. You need to figure out what kind of role you want to help us play in accomplishing that. Here's the dream. Here's where we're going next. You need to figure out how you're going to fit into it. I felt like God is leading us a different way. And this year, we need the vision of our church to focus less on church development and focus more on people development on human development. Rather than saying, we can do it, you can help, the vision this year should be, you can do it, and we can help. You can do it, and we can help. So to simply put it, the vision this year is you. How do you feel about that? You are the vision. And what if the key objective the key result of this church for the next year or two was just solely focused on helping you to become a disciple of Jesus. What would you think about that? What if our singular focus was to start with individual people and a conviction that God has put a dream inside of you and we get to help you figure that out and live that out? What if? Today is about that. We're headed in a direction that is about you and paying attention to what I believe God is doing in you. Now, don't look at each other too weird, but kind of make eye contact with someone else in the room right now. And Okay, that's, that, that was awesome. I saw two people do this, like straight lock. It was so scary. Uh, but, it was, but it's not just the vision in you, but for you to be able to see the vision in others, God is doing something amazing in the person on your left and on your right and in front of you and behind you. Well, today I want to share a little bit of a story about how this actually works. And we look at the life of Peter. Does anyone know the name Peter? Peter. Peter is a guy, um, don't raise your hands all at once. Uh, he's a story guy in the Bible. He lived the U plus God life, okay? And his name is Peter. Have I said Peter enough? When we first meet Peter, Peter isn't even his name. His name is Simon, all right? And Jesus does something remarkable. He not only changes his identity, he changes his name. And he changes how Peter views himself and how he looks at himself. And so Peter is just, uh, you know, he's every uh, country song. Uh, he's, he's the Richmond North of Richmond guy. Have you seen and heard that song? He's like, he's just trying to make ends meet as a fisherman in Galilee, which is the backwater part of the country, okay? And so he's just struggling, making, he's hoping to feed his family and put food on the table. And, he, and Peter is just depending on Peter. Peter has got, I got me, myself, and I, I got these fishing nets, and I'm going to make a big difference in my life. And so that's when his brother Andrew, or Andy as we call him, Andrew introduces Simon to Jesus, and the Gospels tell us this part of the story. We read it, you, you can follow along. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. I'm sure he said it more normal than that. He said, come follow me. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now it's hard for us in 2023 to fully understand what the big deal is 
uh, uh, this invitation was. You see, Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher. He was highly respected, somebody that others looked to for knowledge about God. He was a big deal, an important deal. And Simon is working class. He's a fisherman. He didn't have schooling. He didn't have education. He didn't have pedigree. He didn't go to an Ivy League school. He was a regular guy. And he didn't even have the qualifications to be in the same room as Jesus. And here Jesus is saying, hey, you, normal person, come, follow me. Jesus handpicked Simon to be an apprentice. He invited him into the family. And he taught him new things. And this is like an incredible honor. And it began to change how Peter saw himself. Peter didn't see himself as a fisherman as much anymore. He saw himself as something different. And check this out. This is what happens uh, in a different story, but it's the same story because there's you know, four Gospels. They tell different aspects of the stories of Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 42, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So Simon is his name, and so the strange thing happens in an introduction. Jesus is like, hello, my name is Jesus. You get a new name. It's very odd, and especially because Cephas, which is translated Peter in our language, means rock. I mean, Simon is too emotionally impulsive. He's too, like, does things, wears his heart on his sleeve and does things brashly and rashly. He's not the right fit to be called rock solid. Rock, that's not the right name, Jesus. You got it wrong, or did he? In fact, like there's these examples. When Jesus, at the end of his, life, at the end of his early life or ministry, he uh, uh, decides to wash all the disciples' feet right before the Last Supper, uh, right before they took like, communion together. And he goes to wash Peter's feet. And Peter like, gets all, he's like, never, Jesus, will you wash my feet? I won't allow it. And then Jesus goes, well, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, well, then give me a full bubble bath from head to toe. And he's like, well, I'm not doing that either. So he's just stuck to the plan. And then there's these other times when uh, soldiers came to arrest Jesus. Uh, and Peter comes out of nowhere with the sword. And like, like it's the prince's bride. And he chops off somebody's ear. And then Jesus is like, stop it. And he heals the ear. And the other guy's like, well, that was crazy. And, and he cuts off his ear. But then after he cuts off his ear, he runs into the forest. And he's gone. And then like someone's like, do you know Jesus, Peter? Because I think you were, you're one of the guys. And Peter, avoiding, trying to avoid getting arrested, he's like, I don't know him. Not only denies him once, but he denies him three times. So you got a guy that's like, give me a bubble bath. We got a guy that's cutting off ears. And we got a guy that's like, runs away from Jesus when the first sign of trouble happens. So this type of instability begs the question, why did Jesus call such an unstable person rock? Pre-Jesus, Simon is a brash, rash fisherman whose mouth and actions and choices got him into trouble. Post-Jesus, what do we see? We see that something happens, that Simon did actually become a rock. Now, not immediately. It was a bit of a process. But over time, he became the bedrock leader of the early church. 
He was the healer of the sick. He had really good ideas that helped people in the early church. He wrote new, two New Testament books. He was fearless unto the point of death. He died. So how did and why did Jesus call this unstable person rock? Because Jesus makes us what we're not. Jesus changes our identity. Not only does Jesus change our identity, but Jesus creates a community for us. One of the biggest surprises for Peter, he gets called Peter, but he didn't have to go on this journey alone. He got to do it with some friends. The disciples joined with him. And again, the Gospels give us the names of the people who discovered how to live the you plus God life. Who were they? They weren't great. First, there was Peter. I just spent a lot of time talking about him. He's an, uh, a guy we can identify with. He's got a lot of faith, and the next minute he does no faith. Uh, he's, like, he's like, Jesus, help me walk on water. So he starts walking on the water, and then all of a sudden, he falls through the water. He's like, he's like mixed emotions, too impulsive. And then there's Andy, his brother. Spends much of his time, what we know about Andrew is that most of his time in the Bible is spent keeping his brother out of trouble. And then you have James and John. Their nickname were the Sons of Thunder. Do you know how you get the nickname Sons of Thunder? You're wild. <laughs> These are tough, colorful guys. They wouldn't back down from a confrontation. They would go into rooms like, we're, your, we're the disciples of Jesus. Should we beat them up? And Jesus is like, please, we're not, it's not the kind of kingdom I'm building. Please, no fist fights. He's like, what if it's just one, just give me one knee to the face. Let me, they were aggressive. Uh, they were often insensitive to others. Then you got Philip, the independent. He thought he had the best ideas. You had St. Uh, Bartholomew, Bart, skeptical, always have something to prove. You had Matthew, the tax collector. This guy was prone to greed. You have to watch your back because he'll take every dime you have, okay? And you got Tom. Thomas, he's the pessimist, doubter. Faith did not come naturally to him. You got the other James, who is quiet, bit of a wallflower, so quiet, he's actually silent in scripture. We've never heard his voice. You got Simon the Zealot. If you don't know what zealots are, they were considered to be domestic terrorists at the time. Okay, so we have, so we have a domestic terrorist, and we've got a tax collector on the same team. All right, and you got the Sons of Thunder, uh, wrestling at the campground before the fire goes out. You know, like that. And you got Judas, the brother of James, strong, silent type. And then you got Judas Iscariot, who was so greedy. You know, he took money, stole money. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss. If this team had been drafted in its entirety into the NFL, the National Football League, this is Los Angeles. Sometimes you have to explain what the NFL is. If this team had been drafted into the NFL, it would have got an F. It would, this team was definitely not what you call championship material, okay? Vegas odds were not in favor of this team. But Jesus took this group of working class men, sin-prone, cynical group of contrarians, and he created a community a community, they live for each other. 
And they lived and they died for Jesus. Ten out of the twelve disciples died as martyrs. And together, the Bible says that these ten, twelve men, they turned the world upside down. And the closer Peter follows Jesus, the more we see that he becomes the best version of himself. It's you plus God. And God gives a community to Peter that helped him to become that. He didn't have to do it alone, and neither do you. Jesus not only changes the identity of Peter and creates a community for Peter, but Jesus also reveals Peter's destiny. Now fast forward a little bit in the story. The news of Jesus' death and resurrection have spread all throughout Jerusalem. And it's a huge, and it just so happens that there is a huge crowd that's growing outside. It's starting to form. People have questions. They are all looking for answers. And Peter, in this moment, as the crowd is forming outside their door, he remembers the words of Jesus and his identity. He remembers that Jesus said, you will be called rock. You are called Peter, which means rock. And I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's in that moment he probably remembers what Jesus said to him. And for some reason, in this moment, there's a huge crowd, thousands of people. They're trying to figure out what the disciples know. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? The whole town is in an uproar. The whole city of Jerusalem is in an uproar. And it's in this moment, probably, probably, that the other ten disciples, they look over at Peter. Peter, what are we going to do? And it's in this moment that you can almost hear M&M's lose yourself. Dun, 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 dun. You know? Vomit on a sweater already. Mouth spaghetti. And he's going to be the one that's going to explain to the crowd who Jesus is and what's happening. And probably, it's not written here, but at some point, Peter looks down at his feet and he is... He sees that his feet are moving him to the front of the crowd. And the disciples are like, go for it. And he explains who Jesus is, what his death means, and what his resurrection means. And he begins by quoting the scriptures and talking about Jesus' resurrection and how it defeated the power of death and launched God's cosmic redemption plan. And then Peter, looking at this crowd of thousands of people, he challenges them. He says, become disciples of Jesus. And he invites them to be baptized. And he says, don't do life just relying on you. Do life you plus God. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you're going to receive a gift, 
a free gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is promised to you for not just you today, for those of you who respond, this is a promise that God has given for all generations to come. It's for you. It is for your children, and it is for your children's children. God is doing something new in the world. Hi, my name is Peter, and I was changed by that message and story. And as he's teaching all this stuff, how do the people respond? They actually lean in. They actually listen to him. And the story says that their hearts were moved. And the story of Scripture says that three thousand people that day believed and became baptized in a single day. This man with a new name, a community with a cause, he launched the global movement known as the church. A simple fisherman that lived paycheck to paycheck now moved to impacting generation after generation after generation to come. Peter, once called Simon, shows us what it looks like to have a new identity in Jesus, to be surrounded by people who help you to become the best version of yourself. And Peter shows, it, shows us what it looks like when Jesus actually reveals our destiny to us. This stubborn, disobedient, shoot from the hip, shoot off your mouth, disciple, found the you plus God life. I started this way. We all have a choice. And it's a choice that we make every day. It's a choice we make every moment, but it's also a choice that we make over a lifetime. And the choice is, will you do life on your own or will you do life you plus God? And for some of you, for some of you today, it's time to stop living the you-only life and to start living the you-plus-God life. And you-plus-God could mean a number of things. It could mean that you mark the commitment that you are a disciple of Jesus by being baptized. Perhaps that's going to be your next step. Or others, you, may, you know that you need help. You need other people in your life. You need a community of people who will support you and encourage you. Maybe your next step is getting involved in a community group at Pack City Church this fall. And you just know that if you keep doing life on your own, it's going to result in the same results. You're just going to keep getting what you got now. Or maybe there's some of you who are searching for your greater purpose in life. You realize... There's nothing in your life you feel passionate about and you're looking for that purpose. We are here to help you uncover that purpose. That's why we're here. You plus God. The singular vision for Pax City Church this year is not we can do it, you can help. The singular vision is you can do it, we can help. The big dream, the bold vision for our church this year is you. The number one objective, objective and the key result this year is solely focusing on helping you to become a disciple of Jesus. This vision, like I said, will not focus on church development, but it's on people development, it's on you. So here's a hint of what's coming this fall. 
We want to have a one-on-one conversation with you. With you. So in the, in the coming weeks, expect a call from me or one of our leadership team. We want to have a one-on-one conversation with you. And we're not going to force you or cajole you, but we want to ask you, how do you want to grow spiritually and how can we help you do it? We're here to help you make that choice, the you plus God life. Because if you're living the you plus God life, and if I'm living the you plus God life, each of us are living this you plus God life, we'll become a community of people that God will use powerfully. How do we know? Well, because Jesus has been doing it for centuries. And we get to participate in that. It will transform our friendships. It will transform our families. It'll transform the way we work and the way we play. It'll transform the communities around us. If each of us make the choice to live the you plus God life, that's where I believe the stuff, the stuff that changes the world will start to happen. And so, yeah, you know, Sundays will be great. You know, the band will come, whether there's uh, the correct symbols or not. We don't have, we were missing symbols this morning. <laughs> and this guy pulled it out. <laughs> Good job. He's like, don't bring any more attention to me. <laughs> Sundays will be great. You know, we can fill row, rows of people. We can add chairs eventually. But the vision really is you. And you paying attention to what God's doing and us helping you unre- un. un- unleash that in you. But let's start this year with you. Sound good? Next week, we're going to talk more about this and give you some actual updates about where we're headed. So if you're in town, if you're not traveling for Labor Day, come hang out with us for an hour. We'll give you uh, the vision, and then we'll, we'll go to the next thing. And then if you're here next Sunday, I think Nikki and I might be doing something with some people on Monday. Uh, and you'll get invited to that, but you have to be here next week to get the invite. (laughs) That's lame. We're going to cut this from the podcast part anyway. So, all right, why don't we all stand? Let's pray.